Hello, members, friends, and neighbors of Peace Lutheran Church in beautiful downtown Puyallup, Washington, to episode 24 of Together in the Word on Pioneer and Third, our congregational podcast. Episode 24 reminds me that we've been doing this quarantine thing for 24 weeks. The first episode was the first week that we were separate as a congregation. And so this podcast is helping me remember how long it's been, 24 weeks since we've been together as a church. But I've been grateful to all my guests for showing us their hearts and uh, sharing their thoughts about the Bible. Today, I am privileged to welcome Mary Bobin to episode 24 of our podcast. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Mary, if you would be willing to let us know a little bit more about yourself, tell us a little bit about your life and your family and what brought you to peace. Um, sure. Well, thanks for having me today. I was born and raised in Colorado, um, came out to uh, Seattle um, right after undergraduate school. And I was raised Catholic, and so um, always went to, to Catholic church from you know the time I was born through high school. And as an adult, I had stepped outside of organized religion and had not been really involved with the church for quite some time. Um, I had been looking for a church, and I had gone to a variety of different churches and just had really not found a fit. And so um, I'm married to my wonderful husband, Bob Thrift, and we have been together for many years, but um, we will have been married for nine years uh, this coming October and we were fortunate enough to adopt um, Isabel and Hannah who are members of um, the congregation as well and I really found myself wanting I've always felt spiritual but I found myself really wanting to get back into a church Mm -hmm. so I did a lot of research and looking I wanted to find a church that was opening and welcome to everybody um, particularly, um, I have really close friends and, and people that I love that are LGBTQIA+. That was something that I really was looking for. Um, and just a place that we could feel like was home. And a funny note to this is my husband, Bob, was actually confirmed in this church, even though he doesn't attend very often um, with me. And so Pastor Linda was here as the interim pastor when uh, the girls and I joined joined the church and you came shortly after that and we just found a home here we love it and we're um, you know um, Hannah and I attend right now um, virtually but we're really glad to be here I uh, for years was a public defense investigator and um, at one time I had my own business Um, one of the last cases I worked on was the the Green River serial case uh, serial murder case and people are surprised when they look at me and hear that. Hmm. Um, went back to school, got my master's degree in social work, and did some hospital crisis social work, and then um, I'm currently working as a school social worker counselor in the Derringer School District. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Holy work. Yes. Um, you know, it used to be that we called them the helping professions, uh, whether it's social work counseling ministry, nursing, others. Uh, I prefer to call them the accompaniment professions. I love that. Uh, So I I always, those of us who are in the accompaniment professions, I always um, 
feel an affinity for you uh, because I know that there's a lot of crossover in the kinds of work that we do. Um, we just land in kind of different spheres, but it's all accompaniment work. It's all kind of solidarity with, uh, with people and, and prioritizing relationship. And so I'm grateful for you for your work. Thank you. And I love that. I might uh, take that and call that my own, as my husband would say. I think it's true. I think we accompany people on their journeys and we look for their strengths mm-hmm. and support them and, and um, help them in the ways that we can. So yeah. I, I love that. Wonderful. Thank you. You know, I've been asking my guests, since this is a podcast that was born in the time of COVID, I've been asking my guests two questions Mm -hmm. about COVID-19 and the related crisis, uh, since we're thinking a lot about it day in and day out. Um, But the first question is really a a personal one. How have you been getting through, Mary? How are you coping? Um, Well, we've had some really difficult times in my family health-wise. so Bob had a heart attack, it's gonna be almost a month ago, and at the beginning of COVID, um, he was hospitalized with some intestinal issues, and that was kind of right when there was really the big scare about people going into the hospitals, but we knew he had to go. Yep. So it's interesting when I kind of look back at that, and then um, with with my work, trying to shift all of that to online, and then you know really supporting Hannah, who's home, so there's been there's been a lot of challenges, but I also feel like we've come together um, as a family. And um, Bob and I have been talking a lot about how we are really grateful for this time we've had with Hannah. Hmm. Um, and we've done just a lot of really good family bonding hmm. um, and still reaching out where we can, where it's socially distancing appropriate and, and those kinds of things to you know still help people. Um, and then I think also I feel things pretty deeply. Mm. Um, I'm pretty um, empathic, and I can take on too much, so mm. I try to have boundaries. But what's happening in our world and our nation, um, along with the COVID crisis, mm-hmm. has been deeply and profoundly um, impactful to me. Mm. And so I, um, you know, I support Black Lives Matter. Um, that doesn't mean as some in, in our country feel like that's a terrorist group or organization. I'm about social justice, have always been about social justice. So there are lots of things going on right now. I'm doing a lot of learning um, from um, uh, biopic you know, people. I'm doing a lot of reading. I'm doing a lot of listening to podcasts. I'm trying to be a better school counselor, social worker. I'm trying to be a better ally and a better friend. So there's sure been a lot going on during this COVID time. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, um, I remember being really uh, struck by a phrase uh, that I heard kind of midway through here, the COVID crisis. Somebody somebody sort of reinterpreted the, the phrase, you know, we're all in the same boat. And they said, uh, well, we're not all in the same boat. Yes. We are all in the same storm. But we're definitely in different boats. And yes. so one of the, one of the helpful things to, to you know, to interpret this particular time in crisis, and it has been a time in crisis for all of us, but uh, is, is to kind of try to peer into someone else's boat and say, how might this be impacting them differently than it's impacting me? Um, and there are lots of different ways to think about it. I mean, I, for instance, I, I, I wonder still at the privilege of continuing to get to do meaningful work through this time, right? And I wonder Absolutely. what it's like to be unemployed and, or underemployed 
and fearful for you know my my well-being well-being of my loved ones uh, mm-hmm. that would be an example or you know as a as a as a participant also in in the movement for racial justice you know how how am i involved in that movement differently mm-hmm. than others for whom their life and their well-being depends on the outcomes how can i be a, an ally as you said in a in a mm-hmm. way that recognizes that the stakes are higher for some of us than they are for others uh, on a personal level those are all those questions yeah. are all heightened in this time because there's so much increased anxiety increased exposure I I absolutely agree with that and I think that I'm doing a lot of thinking about that and um, you know we're talking to Hannah a lot about that and she has her own interesting views because you know she's just got um, she shared a story with me and it just kind of resonated she said um, one of her friends had told her this was right before COVID um, and it was a young black girl who said, well, sometimes I wish I was white. And Hannah was a little shocked, and she said, well, wh- why would that be? And she said, well, then I wouldn't be afraid because mm-hmm. of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And so we've had a lot of dialogue and conversations about what that means and about what white privilege means. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you haven't had a hard life. Mm-hmm. But exactly what you say, um, looking into someone else's boat or trying to walk in their shoes mm-hmm. So I'm privileged in the fact that I can have those conversations with our daughter without being fearful because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's really kind of this um, even further social awakening. And I've always been passionate about yeah. social justice and racial justice. And so I kind of think it just kind of all commingles with all of the other traumas that we're facing and having. Sure. And, well, and there is also the intersection between mm-hmm. uh, race and mortality rate from oh COVID, right? I mean, we, we are yes. aware that, that black and brown folks are more likely to be impacted uh, on average by COVID and more likely to get sick and die. And, and that in and of itself is just a, a, a sort of an expression of how institutional racism, you know, is embedded in our system, even, even apart from overt racial prejudice right like that's the, that's yes. what we're really struggling with now well I think so too and I think that if people could just stop and not take personal offense mm-hmm. and that's hard yeah. because it doesn't mean you aren't proud of being an American or you're not proud of your heritage mm-hmm. but stop and look into someone else's boat mm-hmm. and um, look at the different ways that systemic racism has kind of it's, it's interwoven into our criminal justice system and I saw that as a public defense investigator sure it's embedded in our educational system, and I see that as an educator. Um, you you kind of look at it, and then with the healthcare crisis that's going on, it's true. And you know the statistics don't lie about black and brown people being more impacted by that. So I agree. Thank you. So you've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of lamenting. Yes. Uh, during this time. Uh, Speaking of your thinking, the mm-hmm. second question that I've asked, and it's it's sort of a hope, it's trying to retain some hope in this time. Yes. That you know, moments in, of crisis, collective crisis, can bring out the worst in us, but it can also bring out the best. Mm-hmm. So imagining for a moment that, uh, in fact, it did the latter. That that this time in crisis, once once COVID is resolved, once we move on to the next phase of our life together. If you could sort of dictate a vision of flourishing or a healing or something that could occur mm-hmm. uh, at that time, 
and something that we learned by going through our time in COVID together, what would, what would that be? Well, I've done some thinking about that too. And while there are really hard times, I've also seen some really, uh, some times that make me hopeful. Um, I've seen um, people of all colors supporting um, racial justice. Mm -hmm. I've seen uh, neighbors helping neighbors. I've seen people reaching out just to check in to see if people are doing okay. Um, And while there's a lot of vitriol and hatred, I also see a lot of kindness and coming together. Hmm. And I personally believe um, this is kind of the movement of, this is a civil rights movement of our time right now. And it's commingling with this horrible health crisis we have. So my vision would be kind of going back to what I envisioned Jesus was about. Hmm. And that was loving everyone, Mm -hmm. accepting everyone, and helping everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I get sad when I see the strict nationalism that's coming out and that rhetoric and all of those kinds of things. Um, Well, I think America's a fabulous country. I, I think Jesus doesn't look at what country you're born into or where you're from, right? So I'd like to see people embrace and understand and look at other people's circumstances more, and I'd like to see people loving and, you know, helping each other. Let's just help each other. Yeah. I read a, I'm thankful for that reflection. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for mentioning Jesus. (laughs) Kind of important for people of faith to remember (laughs) on whom our sight is supposed to rest, right? I uh, read something today uh, in a book about new media and faith. Mm by uh, Angela Williams Gorel and she writes that if Jesus has a brand right we think about you know how how social media has turned human beings into brands and that's problematic in one way but she's she sort of reflects humorously and she says if Jesus has a brand Mm -hmm. his brand is healing and inclusion oh I love that and so I you know I think that's probably really that's really close to the to the absolute truth there you I mean it's hard to know exactly what yeah you know, what Jesus would do all the time, WWJD. Uh, But uh, I think if you can focus your attention on the way that Jesus emphasizes healing and inclusion, you've got a pretty good start. That's what I'm working to hold on to, and that's my hope. Even in my own personal hard times, um, it's it's definitely my hope. Well, for Americans, as for any person who is, uh, you know, uh, proud of their national uh, affiliation in any way, uh, it's really important to remember that the reign of God doesn't mm-hmm. have any national borders, yes. right? That that God is the God of the nations and not the God of a nation. Uh, yes. And that can be difficult to, to remember. But uh, uh, our gospel, by the way, is going to speak really powerfully to what it means to have an allegiance to Jesus um, prior to having any other allegiances and what kind of consequences that might uh have so would you like to move on to the gospel i'd love to hear the gospel wonderful (laughs) well so this weekend we are going to be privileged to hear from the director of evangelical mission in the southwestern washington synod of the elca the reverend uh, melanie walschlager is going to preach for us and she's going to preach on exodus 3 which is the semi-continuous old testament passage hebrew testament passage so we're going to get to hear her preach about that story which is wonderful that's the burning bush yes um, but we're going to talk about the gospel. Okay. Uh, and uh, so unfortunately, we won't get to hear Pastor Melanie speak to the same text that we're going to speak to. But we'll get to a chance to kind of dive in a little bit. And I'm grateful for that privilege. Uh, the gospel for this coming Sunday, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, is Matthew 16, verses 21 to 28. Matthew 16, 
21 to 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Mm. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. A wonderful, Mm. difficult passage. It is. uh, Following on the heels, just last week, of Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and then Jesus, uh, and of course Peter gets it wrong right away, which I think is hilarious. It sounds (laughs) about right. (laughs) Um, so okay. we use three questions to study the Bible at peace, and they're really intended to open up our conversation, not to constrain it. Okay. So wherever we go is wherever we go. But um, the three questions are, first, what stands out to you this time through? Is there a word, a phrase, an image, an idea? The second question is, do you have any questions? Is there something that bothers you or you're unsure about or wondering if there's a connection to something that it reminds you of? And then the last question that we'll talk about today is if the word is living and active, if the word takes flesh and dwells with us, how is this word taking flesh in your heart today? How, what are you taking from this passage for your life today? Should we start with that first simplest question? Yes, yeah, simple first. Okay, good. And then we, you know, we've tended to sort of fall into the other questions as we go. So there's okay. no, reason, no reason we can't do that, but... Um, So, okay, so I'm sure you've heard this passage before in this gospel and others. Um, What stands out to you this time? Um, Well, I think a couple things resonated with this reading for me. And was the very first when, uh, the very first line, I think, when it was, Jesus began to show. Uh, So Jesus began to show his disciples. um, And then uh, take up the cross, right? So for me, those are the two things that resonate right now. Um, because I think that, uh, you know, for me, love, um, is action. You know, you go back to agape, Mm -hmm. um, love is an action Mm -hmm. verb. And how do I show love not only to my family, but my community Mm -hmm. and to marginalized communities because that's my passion. So for me, that really resonates with our time right now with the healthcare crisis, um, the civil unrest, everything that's happening. And then things that are happening, people that are suffering, um, whether it's due to climate change and um, all of the natural things that are happening. I have a a very, very dear friend who's a school psychologist and her husband is active duty Coast Guard. They're in California right now and they are right in the midst of all of these horrible, terrible fires. 
um, and their little four-year-olds having some some trauma from that sure. and it's just so there are so many things going on so how do we take up the cross and how do we show our love and care mm-hmm. those things resonate with beautiful me. yeah I, I noticed too that it doesn't say Jesus began to tell his disciples no it says that Jesus began to show them yes um, which is interesting because as I mentioned briefly it falls right on the heels of Peter's very, uh, very clear, very succinct, correct answer to Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus affirms that. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Mm-hmm. You know, God has revealed this to you. And then in the very next scene, Peter's like, yes, okay, good. I got the right answer. You know, he's <laughs> like the teacher's pet, right? And then, of course, he, he's got this idea in his head about what the Messiah should and should, should not have to go yes. through. And, of course, he gets it wrong right away and says, no, 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 God. No, 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 Jesus. You, you mm-hmm. can't be telling people this. They'll misunderstand. Do we just establish that you're the Messiah? Right. So uh, why should but, you be suffering? Yeah, yeah. The Messiah is not going to be implicated in suffering and pain. The Messiah is not going to be executed like a, like a you know, common criminal, like an enemy of the Roman state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, Jesus just said, blessed are you, yes. Simon, son of Jonah. And just a few verses later, get, get behind me. me, Satan. So it's a reminder to me, too. That stuck out, stuck out to me, uh, the, this connection with last week's gospel. Yes. That as soon as I get a little too sure of, you know, my, especially if my my theology mm-hmm. or my, my sense of discipleship is triumphalistic or mm-hmm. if if I have a notion that somehow Jesus is going to look and sound just like me and what I expect Jesus to look and sound like yes. I should probably be careful because I'm probably setting my mind on earthly things yes. on the other hand I also noticed the emphasis on the cross mm-hmm. right that as soon as Jesus is professed to be the Messiah the son of the living God that's the moment that he says okay now it's time for you to understand what messiahship means what does right. it mean to live in the reign of God? It's going to be miserable before it's life-giving. Well, and I think that kind of, that you, I, I totally agree um, with what you just said, and it, it resonates because there are many people right now suffering. Yeah. Um, and various ways, right? Yeah. And again, it goes back to the boat analogy you spoke about, which yeah. ironically I had seen, and I had forwarded that. I don't post a ton of stuff. I, I post some stuff, but I had forwarded that because yeah. We don't know what everyone's suffering sure. is, and we cannot presume to know what it is. Right. But how do we help, and how do we take action yep. um, for social justice? Yeah. What, what are we going to do? What risk yeah. are we going to take right. to be able to speak up? And I, and I know I've recently had um, a situation where, and I, I, I'm a, a white woman who's fairly well you know, educated, and I, have, I, I do have privilege, but doesn't mean I haven't had a lot of hard things in my life. Sure. I have. But, you know, I had a situation involving law enforcement recently that kind of turned a a quirky way. And I just thought, boy, and I mean, and I'm fine. Everybody's fine. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but how would that have been had I been a person of color? Um, It, you know, how would that have turned out? Probably not as good. So I, I don't know. I just... Yeah. It's interesting when you reflect on that. So, so you're pointing to something. One of the th- words one of the words you've used is empathy. And another mm-hmm. word that I use in place, it's not quite exactly the same thing, but it's very similar. Another word that we might use a biblical word would be compassion. Yes. Compassion and empathy mean the same thing, and they don't just mean feeling pity for someone else no. or feeling bad. Compassion literally comes from the roots of 
co, which is with, mm-hmm. and passio, which is suffering. So compassion literally means, in its etymology, it means suffering with. Yes. Standing with someone who is, like, suffering with, taking on someone else's suffering. Right. Which and is kind of what Jesus is talking about here. He says, mm-hmm. you know, if you expect to follow me, we're going to be suffering with each other. And, and not for no reason, no. right? Like for, for a mm-hmm. purpose, for the reign, for the sake of the reign of God, right? For the beloved community. Right. And I think part of that too goes back to holding space for people. There are sometimes sure. you cannot, um, you cannot fix something and you cannot, um, you know, necessarily make it better, but you can have compassion and you can have empathy and you yeah. can hold space for them. But there are other times you very much can take up, uh, you know, the cross. Sure. And put yourself out there to be at risk a bit. Right. What does it mean to risk losing one's life for the sake of finding real life? That's a a real good question for, for followers of Jesus to ask. What, what aspects of my life would I be willing to risk or am I willing to Mm -hmm. lose for the sake of the better life that Jesus promises through the promise of the reign of God, a a life Mm -hmm. that is abundant for everyone, right? For for especially for those who are on the margins of society, those to whom he calls out when others don't see them. Yes. I but agree. it all, I mean, it all comes down to the same truth, which is that it's going to cost something. It does. And I think that we all have to kind of reflect and, and, and look at what we're willing to, um, to sacrifice. Sure. To be able to help the greater good, yeah. really. The great Lutheran um, example of this in the 20th century is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, yes. German Lutheran pastor, yes. wrote a, a famous book, actually a really wonderful read called The Cost of Discipleship. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's about exactly this I very like scriptural, you know, truth, which is that, uh, you know, he says very clearly when God calls a person, he calls them to come and die. Mm-hmm. The question, of course, is come and die to what, for the sake of what kind of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he really outlines this notion of cheap grace. It's grace without discipleship, grace without the cross. Right. And of course, he lived that. He lived that theology. He had the freedom. He was in the United States when things in Germany, Germany started to really yes. turn south. And he, he, had the, he had the choice. He could have decided to just go ahead and extend his stay mm-hmm. in the United States and, and missed out entirely on but he didn't. the World, yeah. War, you know, World War II in Germany. And... Uh, Decided he needed to go back and be with his people in a time of crisis. And, of course, paid the highest price for that, for Mm -hmm. standing up for freedom um, and for inclusion, standing against uh, the policies of the Third Reich. Uh, Absolutely. And that's that's pretty powerful when you reflect Mm -hmm. upon that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you you kind of noticed the same things I did. And it's not surprising because there's such powerful themes in this story. Um, what about that second question we ask, which is, what questions do you have about this passage? Do you have anything that's bothering you, or is there something you're not sure about? Well, I think I'm, I think I'm always questioning, right? I feel like I have um, great faith, but I always feel like I'm questioning things. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, and I don't know if it's a specific question, or I think as I've gotten older, I maybe have made peace with the suffering that I see in the world. It's not made peace with it. That's not the correct way to say it, but... Uh, passages like this uh, resonate in a different way with me than maybe they did in my earlier days because my you know when I was younger I was obviously passionate about social justice but I was also kind of I would be feel more angry toward God yeah sometimes and I feel like maybe I'm not so much that there are certainly times I question and wonder why 
why, and I think probably many of us do. Sure. Right? And I think that's another reason, though, um, finding peace was okay. Yeah. For me, it was a good thing for me because... Finding the congregation you, the peace. The congregation but peace. But also yes. p- internal yes, peace. Internal peace. <laughs> You're right. Good job, Nate. Um, but finding the congregation, because I remember you telling me once that, yeah, it's okay to have all those questions. You're not going to have all the answers, but you can question that verse. You can question that gospel. You can question the Old Testament. And I think a conversation I had with you once just really helped me open up and be able to, um, you know, just, you know, move on with my life of faith. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's not a specific question as I have general questions. Sure. Well, and you brought up one that, I mean, just in passing, you brought up one that I think is right at the heart of this passage too, which is a question that I have, which is, does God require suffering? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is the cross proof that... God requires suffering of God's creatures. Some people have interpreted it that way. There's a really, really famous interpretation, uh, and we've called it substitutionary atonement. There you go. You take that, take that uh, phrase to your next cocktail party whenever we can get back together and, and impress your friends. But substitutionary atonement means that, and there are a variety of expressions, but the idea that that um, someone has to suffer Mm -hmm. because God is wrathful. Right, and I don't believe. And because Jesus is righteous, he suffers for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the ways to understand God, you know, that Jesus has died for my sins. In other words, I deserve to be punished and bloodied mm-hmm. by a wrathful God. But because Jesus is righteous, Jesus suffers in my place. It's not quite so straightforward in Scripture. There are certainly um, atonement passages that kind of take uh, Hebrew ideas of, of sacrificial um, Ritual, mm-hmm. for instance, the sacrificial lamb, lamb, right? The lamb who takes away the sin of the world. There, there is mm-hmm. some uh, that's in John, uh, and th- so there is some uh, appropriation, or rather, a borrowing imagery from the Hebrew Testament to kind of understand Jesus' work in his life, death, and resurrection. But uh, substitutionary atonement wasn't really developed as a theology until much later in the Middle Ages, right. and so it's become so. Pow- it's not the only theory of atonement, by the way. But it's probably the most powerful in the Western church. And we have to ask some hard questions of that. Um, does mm-hmm. God require God's own beloved child to suffer and die to satisfy God's anger, God's wrath? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, feminism has really done us a favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, feminist theology has really done us a favor by equating that with child abuse and yep. saying, if God is a wrathful God who desires the suffering and death of God's own beloved child, is that is that child abuse? Mm-hmm. Uh, we could, I guess, we could say, look, if if we're going to be Trinitarians, that may be divine self abuse, but that's no healthier. Right. Um, does God is God responsible for the cross, or are we? Well, I think therein lies a great question, right? Because I'm a very strong believer in um, uh, personal choice too. It doesn't mean like I think that your choices lead you um, always to. Um, the problems that you have in your life, but I also think that gave a, God gave us free will to to help people that are suffering and to you know do something about some of those conditions and yeah. some of those things. So yeah. yeah, that's a bigger kind of that ethereal question of sure. Um, Can I tell you? What, <laughs> you're reminding me of a <laughs> of a comic that I saw that I think is really powerful. <laughs> okay, it's or it's a meme. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was really it, really, it was really great. There's this you know twenty something guy sitting on a park bench next to this Jesus figure, mm-hmm. right? And um, the caption says, 
you know, Jesus, I've always been meaning to ask you, why do you allow so much suffering and pain in the world? And Jesus says, you know, I've been meaning to ask you the same thing. Oh, boy, burn. So it kind of speaks to what yes. you were just saying, that if God gives us agency or freedom, mm-hmm. we certainly have the freedom to hurt one another, but we also have the freedom to lift one another up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I have a question, can I share with you? Yes. And it's not something I've resolved. Okay. Uh, and it's this last verse. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste mm-hmm. death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this strain in the New Testament uh, where it just appears that for the early followers of Jesus, they really believed that Jesus' return mm-hmm. was imminent mm-hmm. and that he was going to be coming back and everybody was going to get to see the Son of Man coming in glory mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, to rubber stamp the crucifixion and resurrection as God's pattern for, you know, bringing life out of death. Right. And it didn't it happen. Mm-hmm. At least not in the way that maybe Matthew writes it here. Uh, raises mm-hmm. the question for me, what does it mean for us to say that Jesus is coming? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a very interesting question. I, I don't really I have don't, a good I answer. Don't... I mean, we do believe, we, we certainly still believe in the, the creed. I believe that mm-hmm. Jesus is, you know... Coming to judge the living and the dead, right? We we, right. we believe in a in a parousia is the is the word mm-hmm. a, a coming again a, a coming of Christ, where God will wrap up all of creation in God's love and fulfill all things and abundant life will be present for everyone. There's beautiful passages in Scripture that kind of speak to that in symbolic terms, but right. it appears that Matthew kind of got it wrong here what do we do with that well i i think there are people all along that get it wrong right when they (laughs) when they talk about okay now end times theology yeah okay y2k now we have this now we have this now we have yes so i i wonder i mean i think that kind of just perpetuates itself and sure um but yeah i I wonder about that too and i mean i grew up believing you know that and following the creed and because there's similarities obviously Catholicism, yeah. go figure, right? Where did yeah. Lutherans come from? But um, Luther so, was a good Catholic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I I I ponder that sometimes myself. So when yeah. you figure that out, you let. Okay, me good. Know. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. We'll write a book. Okay. we'll be famous. We will. Um, I mean, so I I also like to see, you know obviously end times theology mm-hmm. captures the imagination and sometimes in ways that are not helpful, right? right. That can be distractions and and there are certain expressions of christian theology that really really are hyper focused on On the end times and there can be really dangerous kind of um Mm -hmm. implications uh for that especially when people make uh predictions of specific predictions of the end time and you know, I remember sitting in a barbershop in Chicago and I hearing a guy down the way say, well, you know, you, God says you won't know the day or the hour, but you sure can know the season. You know, Christ <laughs> is coming again. And I guess I've just come to the conclusion that the one thing that all the end times, you know, prophets have in common is that none of them has been right yet. Correct. And that's... Um, someone will be someday. Yeah. Someone will predict it correctly. I mean, the other thing that I... The other thing I think that I I try to remind myself is that Jesus' presence with us is not a once-for-all kind of thing. It's not like, well, Jesus was present in the first century as a Galilean peasant man who bore God's truth and grace to us, and then he's just gone forever until he comes back. Right. We also claim that 
Christ comes among us every time we are gathered two or three. Right. Christ comes among us in the breaking of the bread. Mm-hmm. Christ comes among us as a, a living body when we offer ourselves in love and service to the world. So Jesus mm-hmm. is already with us come and, back yes. if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh and so a coming again has already happened and it happens in every in every generation and every day well i agree and i think it's maybe just not that visible coming right. and, but I, right. I believe that i believe i'm accompanied i believe we're sure. accompanied and, yep. and for me that's part of my faith and um being able to kind of carry on through hard times yeah. right right well and so, to to d- direct our attention to where jesus promises to be which yes. is in the face of the stranger, the mm-hmm. face of the hungry, the thirsty, the prisoner, and, and the least of these, right? The least the, of Matthew these. twenty-five, yeah. And that's what I try very hard to um, to focus on, and that's how I that's how I want my life to be. Um, you know, I still have far to go with that. Yeah, <laughs> but, oh, don't we um, all? Yeah, but that's 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 kind of what gives me hope. Yeah. when you talk about that, like what Wonderful. that that gives me hope. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. That's the only. That's the really was the burning question for me this time. Is this question of gosh, what do we do with the fact that uh, that the com- the second coming or what, what we might call the, the mm-hmm. end times, you know, are, are kind of, they're a little slippery, right? We're not exactly sure how to make, mm-hmm. uh, h- how to work with God's timing. Um, and I don't know that, as you said, there's no answer until kingdom come, right? No, I hope uh, humanity can uh, kind of take heed and, and, and start loving each other a little bit better, though. I oh, yeah, definitely in the midst, super, yeah. Super important, right? Well, yeah. in between, living in the in-between, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, yes. the kingdom is both here and not yet. That's mm-hmm. the way we put it in theology. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. What about that last question that we used to study the Bible? How is this particular word taking flesh in your life today? Mm-hmm. Well, I... I have to tell you, so there, like I said, there have been some really difficult times in my own personal family, aside from what's going on with um, COVID and other people, and I um, think I feel that pretty intensely, and so I am trying hard to have some healthy boundaries, but also um, to be more empathetic and, and, and uh, available, and to really try and live my life um, honestly, mm. and to help the mm-hmm. least of these, mm-hmm. as, as you would say, mm-hmm. um, as well as just, you know, regular neighbors, friends, mm-hmm. just trying to live compassionately and not let the, the hateful rhetoric that is out there um, crush my soul, yeah. as it were. Good. So, yeah. Well, if, if Jesus promises crucifixion he also promises resurrection and peter misses that part too yes yes he says he will be raised again in three days Mm -hmm. and if we are people of the cross we're also people of the empty tomb we are that the you know if the if the cross and resurrection show us something it's that the worst thing is never the last thing right and i feel like my faith um as of late with just some really really challenging times like i said personally and then in the world that um, faith and hope has kind of guided my path. So Amen. I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm, Amen. you know, hey, grateful. That's beautiful testimony. Thank you, Mary. Thank um, you. I wanted to share with you one thing that really stood out to me as I kind of studied this passage a little bit. It has everything to do with, especially in a time when it's hard to know, there are a lot of loud voices mm. in the world of religion. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it's, sometimes it's hard to parse out what exactly it means to be a follower of Christ yes. uh, in, a, in a world where sometimes you look around and you think, boy, do we really all pray to the same God? Are we really mm-hmm. all following the same Messiah? And this passage really speaks powerfully to that question of who, who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. What does it entail to follow this Jesus who we've come to know in this story? And I want to just quote to you uh, something from a commentator by the name of Jin S. Kim. And um, Jin Kim says the following about what it means uh, to read this passage in light of our own faith. The amazing thing about the gospel is precisely that God chooses to become not so immaculately conceived Mm -hmm. by coming as a despised Jew in the Roman Empire a lowly Galilean among the Jerusalem establishment, living in the mess of humanity, and ultimately becoming a victim of our collective dysfunction. Mm. If we are going to become followers of Jesus, we cannot become any less vulnerable with toward and for others. Our concern is not first and foremost the purity of the church, or the rightness of our doctrine, but our willingness to follow Jesus into the world and onto the cross. We do not control God or give Jesus the conditions to our discipleship. Instead, we risk contamination and insecurity by releasing the need to protect our own lives and institutions. I love that. That's powerful. That was breathtaking, right? Yeah, you're going to have to share that with me again. I, yeah. um, that is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of something that I had seen on a coffee table. Um, someone had a book, and it was Jesus with the Dirty Feet. Right? Oh, yeah. And you think about that, and that, that is, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, helpful reminder to me that if mm-hmm. I claim to follow a Lord, that Lord is mm-hmm. a crucified Lord and crucified alongside crucified people in the world today. Who spoke truth to power. That's right. Yeah. It costs something. What's it going to cost me to be a follower of this particular Messiah? Absolutely. Oh. Thank you, Mary, for your insights, for yes. your time. Thank you. Uh, what fun. This has been episode 24 of Together in the Word on Pioneer and Third. And thank you all for listening. Until next week.